Porcelain Travels, true stories of humorous and harrowing experiences in, on, and around toilets, tubs, and showers encountered on my travels, excerpted from the forthcoming book, which may or may not be of the same name, by me, Matthew Felix. Double Duty I'd wanted to visit Malta for years, ever since reading about its uncommon density of UNESCO World Heritage Sites. The capital city alone, Valletta, was apparently full of them. It looked like a beautiful destination. All of Malta did. The pictures I saw calling to mind much of what I loved about the Mediterranean. The warm, singular glow of limestone was everywhere. In the old buildings, the massive walls holding back the sea, and the rugged cliffs plummeting into it. History was visible everywhere, too. The Templars had built a cathedral. Ancient civilizations had left behind an underground Neolithic necropolis and megalithic stone temples. Then, of course, there was the Mediterranean itself, its glittering blue waters ever-present. I wanted to go to Malta. So, when I was able to take three weeks off from work, I went. Having spent a lot of time both living and traveling in the Mediterranean, I wasn't surprised to discover that much about Malta felt familiar. What I hadn't expected was for so much of that familiarity to stem from similarities to my own city, San Francisco. Valletta streets rolled up and down steep hills. The buildings lining them peered out from bay windows. And again, the sea was omnipresent, just like at home. I rented a top-floor apartment in an old building in the center of Valletta. The owner, Milo, was a handsome and friendly, albeit anxious man in his thirties. Slight of frame, though full of energy, he had smooth skin, full lips, and dark, wavy hair that was meticulously styled. Having comparatively little hair myself, I couldn't help but feel a little jealous. I also couldn't help but wonder how much time went into the daily sculpting of his immaculately coiffed locks. Milo lived across the hall. When he learned I was a writer, he remarked how lucky I was to lead the life I did. I wasn't given the chance to tell him I had yet to publish a single word and had no way of knowing if I ever would. That wasn't the point. The point was that Milo needed to express, to share with someone, his dissatisfaction with his own life. Who better for sharing intimacies with than a stranger? Milo showed me the apartment. It was simple but stylish, though I did have to stop my eyes from rolling when I saw that one of the living room walls served as the kitchen. The open floor plan concept had made it to Malta. I was old school and still preferred partitions between my rooms. Reminding myself that the lamentable fad would run its course soon enough, I looked around the rest of the room. I admired the sofa, armchair, and coffee table, all of them colorful, sleek, and modern, with a distinctive retro flair. Almodovar would have felt right at home. Don Draper would have been perfectly in his element. I walked through a door next to the sink and found myself in the bedroom. It was about the same size as the living, dining room kitchen. Directly in front of me, I saw a full-size bed. To my right were two closet-like spaces, in reality just shelves covered with white muslin curtains. They did a poor job of concealing the closet's contents, which at the moment were limited to some plastic hangers and a bag of votive candles. On the side of the room facing the street, I discovered an enclosed balcony. Its bottom half was comprised of wood panels. Above each was a window with its own shutter, most of which were open. I approached the enclosure and looked outside. I had great views of the city skyline, including a large church just down the street, as well as the narrow street itself, 
far below. I could also see shipping cranes in the port taking to the sky. I immediately loved the little room. From another era, it had character. It was the kind of place I could easily spend hours writing away, happy and inspired, in my own world and protected from the outside one, its distractions and annoyances. The room reminded me of the old mashrabias, protruding windows enclosed with carved wood latticework, allegedly to allow women to observe the goings-on in the street without themselves being observed. Malta having inherited much from Arab culture, I suspected the balcony was a direct descendant of such enclosures. The door to the bathroom was between the closets. I stepped inside, surprised by what I discovered. The bathroom was huge, perhaps half the size of the bedroom. The bathtub was huge, too, big enough for at least two, if not three, people. Enough jets to go around, it was almost more akin to a hot tub. The room had a tall window with a translucent pane. Looking outside, at ground level I saw a small, grassy courtyard. Directly opposite, I saw another window. Milo handed me the keys and headed across the hall. I poked around the apartment. A bottle of wine in the refrigerator. Thoughtful. Coffee, too, for the morning. I never made coffee at home. Buying it was my ticket to the time I spent working in cafes, but I appreciated that gesture as well. I browsed through some tourist pamphlets on a desk next to the front door, unable to pay them much mind given my fatigue. Instead, I stumbled to the bedroom. Moments later, close still on, I was face down on the bed. Until 5 o'clock a.m. That's when I woke up. It wasn't because of jet lag. I didn't wake up because my body was confused about where it was or what time it might be. I woke up because of something happening outside, in the little street four stories below. At first I doubted what I heard. Jolted awake, I assumed I'd made a mistake, that I'd been dreaming. But then I heard it again, and again. Metal dragging and dropping and clanging against metal. Pounding followed, along with that hollow, almost musical reverberation aluminum makes when hammered. Was there a construction site being set up outside my window? Unlikely. Not at 5 a.m. I didn't move. I felt as though I hadn't slept a wink, and I had neither the strength nor the will to get up and go to the window. Whatever was happening, it couldn't go on forever. It was bound to stop. If I ignored it, hopefully, I would just fall back asleep. The pounding continued. Ignoring it wasn't going to do the trick. I reached for the nightstand and grabbed my earplugs, always standing by at the ready. After a few more minutes, the pounding still showed no signs of letting up. I was now even more convinced. It had to be some sort of construction. I couldn't fathom what else might account for the sorts of sounds I was hearing. I covered my head with the pillow. It didn't help. It occurred to me that never in my life had covering my head with a pillow made any difference. Was I the only one for whom the timeless trick was utterly ineffective? Were there actually people out there who had successfully used a pillow to block out troublesome sound, the soft, fluffy barrier enough for them to slide back into an undisturbed slumber? If so, I sure as hell wasn't one of them. After another minute or two of denial, of delusional hope, I faced the sorry truth. The ruckus was not going to stop anytime soon. I threw off the useless pillow, took out my earplugs, and let out a deep sigh. I stared up at the ceiling barely able to make out anything in the darkness. Occasional shouts now mixed with the generalized commotion. Someone was giving direction. Someone with a really big mouth and lungs the size of a whale. I wondered if he was an opera singer. If he couldn't sing, he should be in the theater. 
The man could project. His was a voice that belonged on stage. A seagull let out a harsh cry, as though telling the Maltese Pavarotti to keep it down. I wasn't the only one who was annoyed. I began wiggling my toes at the far end of the bed, without realizing it. Even before I had, my body had foreseen how the situation was going to play out. It was rousing itself back to life. I now joined in, moving my toes deliberately, faster. A couple of more sighs gave way to a long, head-to-toe stretch, my back arching like a cat's. I was tempted to let out a frustrated shriek and maybe even a hiss, but didn't have the energy. More metal crashed to the ground, the loudest noise yet. Had someone just knocked over 30 gongs? With no small effort, I got up and walked toward the window. The floor teetered like a ship at sea as I struggled to regain control of my body, my arms reflexively outstretched to help me balance. I felt like a fledgling who can't yet fly. Opening a shutter, I looked down. Light blinded my eyes. When I glimpsed the street far below, I had to study myself from a flash of vertigo. I regrouped. I looked down again. This time, my eyes focused. A flea market. Metal rod after metal rod, up and down the street for blocks in both directions, vendors were erecting stalls. Once the rest of the city awoke, assuming there was anyone still asleep, swarms of bargain hunters in search of cheap clothing, handmade leather goods, and high-fashion knockoffs would overtake the narrow lane. That was all fine and good. Who doesn't love cheap, shoddy, imported trinkets? But couldn't the vendors wait until a little later to set up? Would, say, 7 a.m. be unreasonable? Couldn't we at least talk about it? I scanned the building across the street. No one was at any of the windows. Other than the seagull, was I the only one upset by the ruckus? Perhaps the neighbors had all been subjected to the insufferable racket so many times they developed some sort of auditory immunity? Or maybe they planned ahead. Maybe each night before the market they got so shit-faced not a single one of them woke up before noon the next day. Construction projects and washed-up opera singers be damned. Whatever the case, somehow they were able to sleep through the hubbub. I was not. Unfortunate, given that being awake was so painful. Even under normal circumstances, 5 a.m. is no time to start the day. But I had just flown halfway around the world. I was already doomed to a brutal struggle with jet lag, the best way of dealing with it being to get onto the local schedule as quickly as possible. That was not going to happen if I could not get back to sleep. As though afraid someone below might look up and see my tears of frustration, I closed the shutter and turned away from the window. It was then that I saw it, beyond the bed, a faint glow coming from the bathroom. Like someone living a near-death experience, I began walking toward the light. It wasn't that I suddenly needed to pee. I hadn't forgotten to brush my teeth earlier. Something else was drawing me toward the bathroom. Something was waiting for me there. I turned on the light. There it was. I recognized it right away. The solution to my dilemma, the answer revealed in the emptiness. I went back to the bedroom, flipping on the light there, too. I then walked over to the bed, put my hands under the mattress, and lifted it onto its side. It flopped one direction, then the other, like a giant slice of bread. It wasn't meant for standing upright. Like so many inept, cowardly politicians, it was spineless. Nevertheless, once it was more or less stable, I was able to slide it across the floor and into the bathroom. A burst of air flew up as I let it fall onto the ceramic tile. I positioned the mattress the best I could. It abutted the wall, the bathtub, and the toilet. 
but it lay almost perfectly flat. I paused to consider my handiwork. The living room had a refrigerator, oven, and sink. Somehow it seemed fitting that the bathroom have a bed. Maybe I'd put a washer and dryer in the bedroom and a treadmill in the mashrabia. I closed the bathroom door, put my earplugs back in, and turned off the light. Flea market? What flea market? Mere moments after closing my eyes, I'd already fallen back into a deep, peaceful slumber. I hoped the seagull had somehow found the same sort of solace. An hour or two later, I woke up to pee. Instinctively getting up to go to the bathroom, it hit me. I was already there. I laughed, grateful for the uncustomary luxury of doing so without the inconvenience of leaving my bed. I crawled to the end of it, stood up, and relieved myself in the darkness. <laughs> <laughs>